How are, how are you guys doing? Good. Well, I want you to know I appreciate each and every one of you as well. So it's a wonderful, it's a great joy uh, being your pastor. It's an honor and it's a privilege, and I praise God for it. If you have your Bible, please open it to Judges chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 11 through 16. Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. I read a a funny quote online this week. It says, if history repeats itself, I'm so getting a dinosaur. And what would life be like if kids had pet dinosaurs running around their backyard? Not very good life. But now this quote does communicate a general truth that as history can seem at times to repeat itself. This is true for the people in the book of Judges. This is true for the Israelites in the book of Judges because history repeats itself over and over again for generations. As you know, the Israelites are stuck in a cycle of rebellion, discipline, crying out to the Lord, and then the Lord bringing deliverance once his people cry out to him. These four items that they cover every base on the diamond or the baseball diamond. First base is rebellion, second base discipline, third base crying out, and home plate is deliverance. And home plate is, is where every generation of Israelites long to be. They want to be at home plate. They want deliverance. And the Lord God brings deliverance to his people through the judges that he raised up. He raises up judges in this book to bring deliverance to his people. There have already been four judges that have come, delivered God's people. But what the funny thing is that the people didn't always listen to their judges. Every time the judge died, history will repeat itself. People will fall back into the same cycle of rebellion, discipline, crying out, and deliverance. The same is true for the current generation of Israelites in, 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 in Judges 6. History repeats itself with them. And that's what we've been talking about the past three weeks. Their rebellion, living in unrepentant sin of idolatry. And idolatry is the worshiping of false gods. And so the Lord brought them under discipline through the hand of Midian. Because the hand of Midian overpowered them, so it broke the people. And, and they cried out to Yahweh, help us, deliver us. And so this week we're going to begin looking at God's plan to bring deliverance to his people yet again. He's going to raise up another judge, and his name is Gideon. Gideon. Here's the word of God. Judges 6, beginning in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of courage. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, has given us into the hand of Midian. 
And the angel turned, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you will strike the Midianites as one man. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father, it's, it's still often hard to understand and, and, and see how the words in the Old Testament sometimes apply to us. Because it, it, it seems it, t- it talks about a world that's long gone, a, a time that is, is long past. And so, Lord, we desperately need your spirit to give us understanding. For we know all your truth applies to us still. But sometimes we wonder how. How can these words to get and apply to your people today, apply to us today? So, Lord, we don't come to, to your word lightly. We don't come thinking we have it all figured out just because we have the complete Bible. We are completely dependent upon the spirit to give us wisdom of understanding, to help us to understand what you're saying in your word. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come today. I pray that you will speak to my heart. I pray that you will speak to the hearts of those who are here. You know where we are. You know where we're living. You know what we deal with day in and day out. You know those who are here who are not saved. You know them. And they know. But I pray that you will meet us where we are and bring us to the place that you want us to be for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in his name I pray. Amen. Judges 6, verses 11 through 16, they tell of Gideon's call to be a judge. But these verses also tell of a man who is not yet ready to deliver God's people. He's not yet ready for that. And if you've read the book of Judges, you know that God eventually sends Gideon into battle with 300 men. And I'm here to tell you, Gideon in chapter 6 is not going to battle with 300 men. He's not there yet. His faith is not there yet. There's a work of heart that, that Yahweh has to do within Gideon to get him to a place where he can trust the Lord enough that he will go into battle with 300 men. And here's the lesson of faith that you're going to see in these verses from Gideon that the Lord is going to meet Gideon in his broken places in order to bring Gideon to a greater place of faith. The Lord is going to meet Gideon in his broken places in order to bring Gideon to a greater place of faith. And Gideon has three broken places. I'm going to talk about one of them today. He has three broken places. And Yahweh is going to meet him in all three. First, the Lord meets Gideon in his broken experience. He meets Gideon in his broken experiences. And guess what? He will meet you, too, in yours. But the question is this. Do you believe it? Do you believe the Lord will meet you in your broken experiences in life? The late Thomas Andrew Dorsey was known as the father of black gospel music. 
he wrote one of the most famous uh, gospel songs of all time, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that song. He wrote that song out of a broken place, out of a broken experience. And his broken experience came while he was in St. Louis doing a revival service. You see, he, he traveled from Chicago one morning in 1932 while his pregnant wife was home asleep. And this is what he says, that she was going to become a mother. And I was anticipating a great happiness and a great joy on my return home. But I got to St. Louis, and on the second night of the meeting, the telegram boy brought me a telegram. I opened it, and I read it, and it said, your wife just died. Come home. Your wife just died. Come home. So as you can, can, be, you can see, Mr. Joyce didn't finish the revival, so he headed home back to Chicago, and he found out it was true. His wife died in childbirth, and then two days later, his son died as well. So you can imagine where he's at, what he's going through. You can imagine the experience, the brokenness, the hurt, the pain. He said they never moved her body. She was still in the hospital bed. He said it chilled me. It killed me off. And I wanted to go back playing the blues when I went through that and I saw that. So he went down into despair, questioning and doubting God's goodness. And question whether or not God was still with him. Can you imagine that? Can you sympathize with that? I know I can. But later, he says, after pulling his wife away and the baby in the same casket, he went to the, to the old Burrow College in, in Chicago into the music room. He said it was a Friday night, and he was just playing over the keys. He says, and, and the seemingly the words like drops of water from a cracks of a rock from heaven came down as he was playing on the piano. He says, precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I'm tired and I'm weak. I'm worn through the storm, through the night. Lead me on to the light. Those words from Mr. Dorsey was him crying out of his brokenness, crying out of his great loss, and wanted to know, Lord, will you meet me here? Will you meet me in my broken experience? All of us have broken places. All of us have gone through broken experiences in life. We all have. Some of you may be in some of those places right now. We lost loved ones, bad health, loss of job, loss of home, difficult relationships. It can be any trial or any hardship. The broken experience can even be the discipline you receive from the Lord. Like the Israelites in Judges 6. So we all have these broken places and experiences. And here's another lesson of faith. You can't be indifferent or discount a person's broken experience in life. You can't be indifferent to it. It matters to them. It has shaped them just like your experiences. Your broken experiences matter to you in some form or fashion. They have shaped you. So you can't simply say, just get over it. You can't simply tell people to stop being so sensitive. You never know the kind of broken experiences that people go through. For there are some things that are hard to get over. And there are some things that leave scars that won't ever go away. And many of you can testify to that. And so can Gideon. 
He has scars, too. He's in a broken place, too. He's experiencing brokenness now. And, and, and you can see that if you don't take Gideon out of context. You've got to look at him in light of the ten verses we just read. You can't put him on an island as if he's not impacted by what his people are experiencing. It affects him. Remember, what, what are Israelites going through? What are they going through at this moment? They are under the discipline of the Lord. They are in the hands of Midian. For seven years, the Midianites will come and raid their land. Year after year, every harvest time, they will raid and raid and take and take and take. And you can't tell me that don't impact you, that doesn't weigh on you. That makes you begin to question things about God if you're going through that. Now, the super spiritual may say, uh, not me, but you haven't went through something yet. And if you are going through something, it will bring you to a place of doubt where you begin to question things. So for seven years, it says whenever the Israelites planted crops, the, the Midianites will come up and, and like locusts against them and consume everything. They would lay waste the land, it says in verse 5. We know that this is discipline from the Lord, but it's still hard. It's still painful. Put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in Gideon's shoes. And we none of us can say with a straight face that we won't be negatively impacted. If someone broke into our house every year and stole our stuff, and we replace it, they come back and steal it again. You can't say that stuff is not going to weigh on you. Or someone steals your car. You go buy another car, they steal it again. You buy another one, they steal it again. You can't say that does not weigh on you. It will weigh on you. And it weighs on the people of the Bible. We cannot dehumanize the, old, the saints of old. They're human. They go through the same things we go through. They experience the same emotions we experience in trial. They're not super saints. They're not phased by life. Getting in is in this difficult environment. It's his culture for seven years. It's the air he breathes. He experiences it. it he touches it. It touches him. And we just can't gloss over his experience as if he's not phased by it. He and his family have lost crops too. He and his family, has lost, they lost livestock too. He's overpowered by this. He's impacted by this. And again, Gideon isn't in some reality TV show. This is not Survivor. This is real life. This is not a Disney fairy tale. This is not Frozen. It's none of those type of movies. This is real life, and the struggle is real, people. And it's so real for Gideon and Israel that they had to take desperate measures to ensure that they had food. I mean, I mean, they were hiding, foods and hiding food in mountains and caves. Things are desperate. Or as Tupac would say, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. I mean, things are hard. That's how hard it is. In verse 11, we find Gideon taking one of those desperate measures. He's beating out wheat in a wine press in order to hide it. For the Midianites. Think about that. He's using a wine press to beat out wheat. That's not what a wine press is used for. 
A wine press is used to extract juice from grapes as as you make wine. (laughs) A threshing floor is where you beat out wheat. But he can't use the threshing floor because the Midianites will see him and come take what he's doing. So he's hiding in the wine press, which is dug in the ground back in those days. So he's down in the ground, hiding, beating out the wheat, trying to preserve food. Again, things are hard. He's experiencing hard times. In the picture of Gideon hiding in the wine press, it shows you just how low the conditions are for him and for Israel. It's an image of their broken experience, their broken morale. As verse 6 says, Israel is brought low because of Midian. What do you think those words mean? They're brought low. That includes Gideon. The whole community, the whole covenant people are low. There's a gospel song that says, you know, there's never such thing as a bad day. But I got to tell you, that, that's a bad day. If someone's stealing from me for seven years, that's a bad day, and I ain't going to feel like praising the Lord about it. Just, just be real. We don't have to be superficial here. We don't have to be super saints here. It's okay to say, that hurt. It's okay to say, I don't feel like praising God today because of what I'm going through. It's okay. You already know your heart. He just wants you to own it. Gideon is, is, is low as he beat out this wheat. Trust me, he ain't happy hiding in the ground beating out wheat. But that's what he has to do, to preserve food. And what I love about the scriptures is that it doesn't hide the humanity of the men and women in it. It lets them be human. It shows you their flaws, the issues, as well as their strengths. And Gideon's in his broken experience, it impacts him just like yours impact you. Your fears your insecurity, your loneliness, your anger, your despair, those things impact you. You know this to be true. If you lose a loved one, that's going to impact you. If you go through a, a, a loss of job, that's going to impact you. If you lose certain things, that's going to impact you. It will. If you're going through something for seven years, it's going to touch you some form or fashion. It may be touching you right now. And the one thing... You want to know when you're going through it. It's the one thing that's hard to believe. You want to know, is the Lord with me in the experience? Is he with me? You want the precious Lord to take your hand. That's what you want. He will come. He will meet you there. He meets getting in there. Verse 11, that an angel of the Lord came and sat under an oak tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Gideon's father. That's not by accident. That's by divine design. So the picture you have of, of the Lord here is that he's, he's like a traveler with a staff that's traveling from one place to the next. And he travels to a particular location looking for a particular person. And the angel of the Lord here doesn't come in judgment. The angel of the Lord comes with God's, the care of God's people in mind. He comes with thoughts of deliverance in mind. And he comes looking for Gideon. So the angel is a visible self-revelation of the Lord. It's personal. So he, he enters into Gideon's reality. He enters into Gideon's broken experience. He comes. He sits under the tree. And what is he doing? 
He hasn't made himself known to Gideon yet. He's watching Gideon. He's observing Gideon. He takes the initiative. He comes. He sits. And he watches. And I want you to think about what what this is saying. And communicating. It means the eyes of the Lord are still on the sparrow in your life. He is there even when you don't see him. Gideon doesn't know he's there yet, but he's there. He's watching him, observing him. He came to him, to his particular place. And you got to know that when you're going through it, the Lord is there with you. Because there are times when you don't feel like he's there. There are times when you don't sense his presence. There are times when you feel like you're alone. But I'm telling you, you're never alone. He is there. His presence is always there. Even if you can't sense it, he's there with you. Always there with his people. In your broken experience. His presence never leaves you. He is truly Emmanuel, God who is with them. When you're under discipline from him, he's still there. He doesn't discipline you and just leave you. He's there. If you lose loved ones, he's with you. If you lose and you're in pain, he's with you. If you're in sickness, he's with you. Our good friend, Ebony Sweeney, had a a wonderful quote on Facebook. It says, God is here. God is there. God is active. He is aware. I love that. God is here. God is there. God is active. He is aware. He's all those things for you. Not just when life is well, but when life is hard. When you're going through it. When you're dealing with fear. When you're dealing with medical issues. He is there with you. Guiding you. You're never alone in the brokenness. Another perfect example of that is the cross. We just sung about it. It's the cross. The greatest example of that his care and his love for you. Because in the cross, he took the greatest initiative. Again, not for friends. You weren't his friend. You weren't a son, a daughter yet. Who were you? An enemy. If he did that for you while you were an enemy... How much was he going to do for you now as a son, a daughter? Come on, people. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, baby. Amen. If, he, if his son died for you when you were enemy, what is he going to do for you now as a son or daughter? What is he going to do for you now? He's not going to leave you high and dry in your brokenness. He may use it to shape and form you, but he's not going to abandon you there. You've got to hold on to that. Remember where he brought you from and the place you are now. You've got to hold on to that truth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that the gospel never changes. That if you sacrifice your beloved son
for us while we hated you, how much more are you going to provide for us now as your people, your covenant people, your sons and daughters who are called by your name? It's hard to believe, Lord, that that you're still with us when we're going through the difficulties and pains of life. It challenges us, Lord, and you know it. But as you came and sat under the oak tree and observed Gideon, Lord, with your presence still with him, your presence is still with us, with your people, like it was with your people of old. Even when you disciplined Israel, you did not abandon them. You did not abandon them, Lord. You were still their God. And you're still our God. And so as we go out, I pray that you will empower us, that you will meet us in our broken experiences and bring us to a place of greater faith in you and what you can do for your glory in us. And I pray this over this congregation, over my brothers and sisters here. And I pray that you will be with us as we go back out into the world and fight and engage one more week. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen.